Lumo Energy Reimagined Series, bringing diverse perspectives on the intersection between energy, technology and tangata in Aotearoa. Brought to you by the Energy Academy. I'd like to introduce to you Nigel Barber and Cristiano Marentes. Nigel is CEO of Orion Group, Canterbury's Electricity Distribution Network, and Cristiano is CEO of Araake Aotearoa's National Future Energy Centre. Nigel and Cristiano, thanks for joining us for this corridor, which we have called Electricity is Taking Over the World. Kira, thanks for having me. Kira. All right, now these questions are for the both of you. From your experience in the energy sector and what you see happening globally and here in New Zealand, can you explain for us some of the shifts to the electrification of our lives and how this might impact Kiwis? Look, great, great question. Um, I'll talk about some of the domestic ones. I'm Cristiano, given his glo- more global, global overseeing role, can sort of talk about some of the more global ones, I think, probably a useful way to cut the, cut the question. But in New Zealand, what we will see in a practical sense is electricity replacing um, people's gas, whether they use it for hot water or heating in the house, the LPG if they're using it for the same, and also largely replacing petrol and cars. And we also means we're going to change how we heat, how we drive, in terms of our modes of energy for that. So it'll be it'll be a significant shift for us. But ultimately, what we'll do is it'll you know we're going from three dollar a litre petrol to thirty five cents a litre, sort of today's equivalent electricity price, which is a pretty good thing. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I would just probably just start with uh, what we mean by energy. And I was doing a little bit of search, and the word energy is actually derived from the Greek word energeia, uh, which describes a state of being at work. And I really like this description because, you know, uh, our world, for our world to work, for the life as we know it to work, we need energy. Uh, And we need energy to power economy, our schools, our hospitals, and to travel. So it simply puts, uh, without energy, life wouldn't be possible. I guess the challenge uh, is that uh, mainly since the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century, we have been using sources of energy that are harming our environments, uh, such as coal, oil and gas, as, as Nigel mentioned. Those are the, the fossil fuels, uh, as we call them. And we're also using um, energy in unsustainable ways, and that is causing climate change. And in New Zealand's uh, around nine, sorry, 42% of our greenhouse gas emissions come from uh, the generation and usage of energy, including transports and industrial processes. And that number global is actually higher, is 75% globally. So from a global perspective, and I include in the global perspective New Zealand, of course, if we want to limit the impact of climate change by limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees, we must look very carefully at how we generate and use energy. And just to put things in the context a little bit uh, of the challenge we had of, uh, we've got ahead of us, in 2019, uh, uh, United Nations uh, report stated that uh, we will need to cut global emissions by 7.6% every year for the next decades to meet the 1.5 degree targets. So that's 7.6% percent reduction every year until 2029-2030. Globally, between 2019 and 2020, emissions were reduced by 6.4% because of COVID. 
So we need to achieve 7.6% year on year because of COVID, the maximum we got globally was 6.4%. So I think the challenge for climate action is how to reduce energy consumption uh, without disruptive uh, impacts on lives and, um, and livelihoods. And that's really the challenge we've got uh, in front of us. I was just going to say, you can tell that's why Cristiano's a doctorate and I have a bachelor's degree. He's the big brain and leads the think tank slash innovation centre. But one point Cristiano made about sort of energy and our lives is I did see some numbers recently that the a, a barrel of oil has effectively a manpower is one cent an hour of manpower. Mm. If you convert it into sort of people power and that type of stuff, that's how cheap it is, and that's how it's enabled our lifestyles to progress from medieval ages through the Industrial Revolution because mm. coal and petrol and oil are so cheap. Mm. When you think about it in the context of employing people versus the output of it, it's one cent an hour equivalent. Oh, wow. So it's a lot easier, and we've got a hard road ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we could look at energy from three different factors. And I, I think in New Zealand and globally, we use the term energy trilemma to look at three different ways to look at energy. But we need to look at those three together. The first one, as we mentioned, was climate change. Uh, the second one is around energy security. And that's, I'm pretty sure, top of mind of uh, a lot of people globally and the geopolitical factors. Uh, the fact that you know the war in Ukraine has created both a humanitarian crisis, but also an energy crisis, um, and some of the European countries are actually struggling really to understand how they're going to uh, deal with uh, winter because of the shortage of gas. And if you look at the likes of Germany, that's uh, have banned nuclear uh, generation, and they depends on fifty percent of gas from uh, Russia. That's going to be quite challenging. But I was having a conversation with Nigel some time ago about also the positive aspects of cost reduction mm. of technologies. You know, um, you've seen across the board over the last 10 years, solar, uh, winds and batteries, uh, the cost being reduced significantly, uh, which is which is great. Um, and I guess probably the challenge is how you make sure that those who have access that needs to have access to those technologies do have access to those technologies. So the energy equity part of it. So Christiana's really actually in that sort of summarised why it's a good thing. Energy yeah. electricity takes over the world because it's sort of, it is cost. And I sort of gave the example before, it's actually cost of energy, not just cost of electricity. You're displacing $3 a litre petrol with 35 cents a litre equivalent electricity. Energy security, both in terms of just day-to-day -day reliability of uh, powering your lives, but also in these global times when you're seeing huge disruptions. And Christian, I talked about Europe. You know, they've gone from paying roughly uh, somewhere between five and ten dollars a gigajoule, which is what the oil and gas industry uses to measure energy, a joule of energy in this case, um, to seventy-two dollars. Mm. Our equivalent sucks at the moment in New Zealand. That's the escalation that's gone through as they scramble to sort of power. But if you think about it, if you've got your own renewable electricity base in your own country or close by, those issues go away. You're no longer dependent on countries that you'd probably prefer not to actually have to deal with, with yeah. questionable human rights records and a whole lot of other stuff. So it just yeah. provides those security. And actually it's good for the, good for the climate. 
Yeah. You know, the emissions go down, air quality improves, water quality improves, you're no longer using coal, which needs, you know, suck water out of clean rivers to run through the cooler boilers, all these type of things, and then discharge the cooling water. It just, it ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you look at just in terms of electric vehicles as well, um, I think in this year um, in New Zealand, uh, from January to June, I think 30% of new vehicles uh, sold were actually electric vehicles. Uh, and in Europe, uh, there are now more electric vehicles being bought than petrol vehicles. And as you said, it's good for mm. the environment, uh, it's good for, you know, you don't need to use uh, oil um, uh, and gas. Um, and that has got, you know, um, uh, incredible benefits for, for everyone. So a, a quick um, layman's question here. What percentage of um, our energy are we using naturally as opposed to imported in New Zealand? Is so quick answer. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll share some thoughts and then I'm pretty sure mm. Nigel will, will do. But just one observation, we quite often talk about energy and electricity and they're slightly different things. Uh, and in New Zealand, 40% of our energy comes from renewables. Nice. Okay. 60% comes from coal, uh, oil, and gas. Uh, When you talk about electricity, actually 82% of that electricity comes from renewable, which is great. Nice. Yeah. Um, We've got, of course, gas um, uh, in New Zealand, and um, I'm not entirely sure the, the actual percentage, but I would assume that's a lot of the gas that is Consumed here is also generated. Um, yeah, it's all indig- all all gas in New Zealand's indigenous. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's great. I think it's the the, the coal that we're actually importing um, from overseas right. and from the likes of Indonesia and others. That's why we're seeing a huge amount of increase in coal prices because of you know geopolitical and the challenge in terms of supply chain uh, costs. Why do you believe electricity is taking over the world? When you look at, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons for it. When you look at, um, you know, if you're motivated by cost or the environment or security, actually it ticks all of those boxes. So it is cheaper if you can consolidate your energy on electricity as opposed to, you know, using electrons, you're using liquids and you're using molecules or gas and petrol and power. If you consolidate on power, it is a lot cheaper. Electricity has always been cheap compared to the other fuels. Petrol's a globally traded commodity, and generally gas is too, except in New Zealand because we just we're not hooked up to the global supply chain for for gas. But it is cheaper. So if you focus on the bottom line or your hip pocket, it's cheaper for you. If you're thinking about the environment, it's actually if you displace every litre and every molecule of gas you place, it's actually better for the environment. Um, and from a security supply point of view, it's Generally, electricity is really reliable, um, and you're getting it from pretty close to where you're, where you're consuming it. It's not coming in ships from overseas, which are able to be disrupted. So on those basis, that's sort of why I see it sort of taking over and displacing sort of the traditional supply chain, which is traditionally long on coal, gas, and, um, and petrol compared to electricity. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think 
I'll probably just uh, separate the the generation and the demands uh, of um, energy. And of course, as I say, we've got 40% of our energy being um, generated from renewable sources. And what ideally mm. we want is that generation uh, to be 100% renewable. That's our goal. But of course, for, it's not just about how much you generate with the existing load. It's the fact that if you're trying to decarbonize the transport sector, the, pro, the industrial processes sector that currently use uh, coal and gas, that means that the need for electricity will also go up. So in a situation where you need to move uh, uh, from 40% uh, renewables to ideally 100%, but at the same time, you've got the, the demand for electricity going up. So, and that's the challenge we have, mm. uh, not just in New Zealand. If we try to electrify everything as soon as possible, can we also generate enough electricity to supply that demand um, in, in, in a timely and costly manner? That's, I think, some of the challenges we have. And that's why I think we also need to be looking at energy efficiency. I heard once that the greenest energy is the energy we don't use. Mm -hmm. And that's because we can't just continue consuming energy the way we've been consuming it. It just, I personally think it's unsustainable. So let's change a little bit of just how much we consume because we also need less capacity uh, from uh, renewable generation. That's great advice. I think I need to take that advice myself. <laughs> Um, Just right. don't look for me to crawl around your ceiling and install a pink bat or two. I'm long past that. My knees are gone, mate. Crawling around ceiling battens and putting bats in is something I did in my 20s. Oh, well, I did have a quick job for you after this, but I think, we'll, I think I'll let you go after this. Um, so why is this an important conversation for us to have? The whole... Um, well, climate change is, and you know, is probably in the medium to longer term the number one thing the global the globe faces. The longer we delay taking action, the more expensive the action to mediate it becomes. You know, looking at you know from sea level rise to a whole lot of things um, which are already costly to to deal with when they're right in front of you. But if we start now, it actually, from a societal point of view, and the costs are not just purely economic costs, but they're around the quality of our environment, everything like that, actually it is a lot cheaper to get going now on it. And I think it's important that New Zealand actually takes a leadership role. We can demonstrate, mm. as we have often done, you know, New Zealand is a little place down the bottom, we actually punch above our weight and it's a great opportunity mm. for us to punch above our weight and be quite proud of the mahi that we can do to sort mm. of show that Aotearoa has done some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, nice. So it's like the health sector that that would be alleviated if we just didn't get sick. Yes. And the healthier we can stay, the, yep. the less pressure it puts on the yep. health system. But, exactly. But for the yeah, yeah, sector. Yeah. Nice. Ambulance at the top of the cliff is always cheaper than the ambulance at the bottom. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think undoubtedly the top priority, as Nigel said, is uh, climate change, limiting the impacts of climate change. And as we mentioned before, there's going to be a transformation because Nigel and I believe that uh, electricity is going to take over the world. And that means that you'll need new skills, um, new jobs. Uh, some industries could potentially disappear the way they are, exist at the moment. So new need to be generated. So it's what sometimes we call a just transition. How can we transition from where we are to where we need to be? 
Um, and that means that we need to develop skills and make sure that um, no one is left behind. So we need really to prioritize, and that's why those, these conversations are important, so that people understand that energy and electricity are important, and um, it's changing the way we, we, uh, we, we cope and deal with those uh, um, parameters going forward. I think Cristiano sort of made a good point. It is the, it is a conversational core around all this type of stuff. And the sooner you start, the sooner it's going to take a while to build up critical momentum in people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, between the work Ariaki's doing, Orion's doing, we're trying to take leadership roles. But you know, we, we, it's sort of something that collectively we need to put our mucky into as a, as a, as a nation. Um, and the core hour about it is actually a really important bit of building up that critical mass. Mm. Yeah, and like you said. Um, uh, we're a small country at the bottom mm. of um, the the planet, and some people might think, you know, what what possible change can mm. what what effect can we have on on, on climate change? But I think uh, to your point, it is that we can lead the way mm. and, and show that the, the the bigger countries how to do it, just like how we always yep. have done. Exactly. Nice. I mean, you're telling me before that you are into um, filming, and so you might have. Watch that uh, YouTube video. I think it was a festival, um, music festival in 20, uh, 20, 2009, where this crazy guy uh, decided to uh, start dancing. Yep. Um, and in a way, he was the leader, but actually the others, the, the followers, were also the ones actually created the, the, the movement for change. And we don't necessarily here in New Zealand need to lead on everything, but being able to be a fast follower when so many things also being developed overseas. Um, there's technology being developed. We don't need to develop everything here. Yeah. And one of the roles of our Aki is really looking what's happening globally that we could, for example, bring to New Zealand to accelerate the transition that we are um, facing. So my take on that is the old, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the Irish, there's a famous Irish poet who had this great line that immature artists imitate mature artists steal. Yeah. And New Zealand has always been pretty good at taking ideas from somewhere, adapting it, and yeah. that's what we've got to be really good at yeah. with us. Shamelessly steal other people's ideas from around the world. We'll pay them appropriately, not yeah. deep, but and so actually we can take that, we can take that and blend it into this, and this works. Yeah, We don't actually have to come up with everything ourselves, but we should be really good about saying, we've got a problem over here, we can see that, and we can see that, and we can see that, and if we did two-thirds of that and one-third of that and blended it together, that gets us our answer and away we go. Nice. Yeah. So we become the early adopters and we make it cool and yep. then the rest of the world become the groupies. That, that exactly. But, and, you know, if the listeners... No buts, come on. No, 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 no. What I was going to say is if the listeners to this, to this uh, podcast go and watch that uh, movie, that, that video clip, the important thing is that the first and the second follower, they got up. Yeah, 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 and joined uh, the the dance, and that's yeah. why I think it's important that everyone gets up, joins the dance because inaction is not going to drive change. Yeah, yeah, and we really, really need to to all come together because climate change is is real, and we are in a climate change emergency, uh, and we do need to act. Even for those, and always, there is, you know, we listen to talk back like everyone else, there is a, there are people out there who go, well, actually, New Zealand is point something a percent of global emissions. 
I would say actually it's still a good thing to do because actually there are genuine hip pocket savings to every Kiwi out there from this type of thing. Because mm. when you think about it, electricity, 35 cents a litre, $3 a litre petrol. Actually, if you want for no other reason than that, it's actually a really good thing to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like saving money, I think. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely motivational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the final question what skills, capabilities do you think that the energy sector will be needing in the future? Well, it's going to be a whole mix from the t- today's skill sets and more of them when you think about it, because um, electricity is taking over. So we'll be largely expanding a lot of the existing, existing traditional infrastructure. So I'll shameless, unshamelessly put a plug out there for um, for people to consider jobs in the sector. You know, if you want to you're 18, 19, considering a career, but don't really want to go to university, if you're prepared to sort of do your line mechanics qualification and go on a false roster, it's north of 100k per annum in your mid-20s, which isn't bad money. Mm. Um, but anyway, but really the future skills are people who actually are very comfortable, digital, you know, basically digital natives, but also really comfortable blending different technologies and digital things and helping it. And, it's, yeah, it actually almost summarises a lot of what Cristiano and his team do, which is ex- explore the globe for technologies that New Zealand can potentially then bring down here, expose us to to help implement our businesses, which is all about that eye on tech and um, digital and then bring it in, putting it into place in businesses today. So I'm probably the third one. So you got just, you got the, what we do today, you got digital uh, and tech, and then the third one is actually a lot of people around the commercial side because there's business models and markets that haven't even evolved yet. We're going to have to mm. sort of create markets for people at home who are generating electricity from their solar cells to actually trade that in a way that's fair and reasonable. Like, some of that exists today, but not on a scale. Can we scale it? Who knows? But we're going to have to figure all that type of stuff out. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, and we just need to continue doing training, um, developing the existing um, workforce. And also, I I think it's really important to target transferable skills from other uh, industries, for example. Uh, The example in Taranaki has been um, a lot of the economy is based on oil and gas. The skills of the people who have been operating those platforms could be easily transferred uh, into, for example, offshore renewable um, energy. So it's it's making sure that those skills are transferred, and you know we know that solar um, is out there, uh, solar energy, um, electric vehicles, hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's building that capacity and capability as well within New Zealand's. Nice, and so I have a thirteen-year-old son who's just started high school. And if I was to try and um, convince him that these might be the, the the pathways to at least like look at, uh, what subjects would he be doing at high school? If 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 he could hang in there on physics and pure maths, that anchors a lot of it. Um, the anchors on the option sort of because those are pretty core as well to some of the deeper IT subjects, but. If not, then just general, all-rounded, inquiring subjects that stretch one's mind and enthuse oneself. Because actually, the ability for lifelong learning is the key to it. We all learn continuously, so I wouldn't get too stressed. 
<laughs> An adult, yeah. What, what, what's your son's uh, name? Uh, Kuali. Kuali. Um, so, Kuali, if you want to learn more about uh, the future of energy, come and spend time with Araaki. We've got open door. You can come and spend time with us and we can take him through the work that we do with communities and we do a lot of work with communities and just try and, and paint the picture of what the future is going to look like. And I'm very hopeful and excited about the future and um, the likes of your son are going to be the ones that are going to enable that future. Mm. And if you can come and spend time with us and see what that future uh, could look like, I'm pretty sure you'd be really excited about it. Yeah, well, it's an exciting field to, you know, to, to, to work in an area where you're potentially saving the planet, making good money at the same time, which is, you know, very mm. motivational. Nigel likes that. <laughs> that is a motivation. Um, but I, but you, and I'm thinking this is a long-term plan. So, you know, that age group, you know, in 10 yeah. years' time, they're going to be in their mid-20s. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why I was asking about that. What inspires me is that the younger generation, one, they're very much aware of um, climate um, change aspects. They're very, very engaged, at least from my experience, and they're very clear on what they want adults to focus on. Um, and we just need to find the platforms to make sure the likes of your son and his friends can actually uh, verbalize and share their thoughts so that we can uh, listen and act uh, on what they really want us to do. And if I can put a plug in for the Energy Academy, they've got some great tools out there. And that's there. why I was to say yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> yeah, so the Energy Academy do have some great online tools and others to sort of help people sort of figure out their way into the energy sector. Um, and it's an important part of sort of the Orion's contribution to sort of capability plus also that how we make the transition and do it in a way that brings people along and, and tries to get more people involved in, in the sector that, you know, Christiana and I are both pretty passionate about. Mm. Awesome. Well, Nigel Cristiano, thank you so much for joining us today. Such an amazing conversation and thank you for everything that you do in the sector. Thank you to our partners, Orion, Genesis Energy, Araake, Eka, Christchurch New Zealand, Ministry of Social Development and Ara Institute of Canterbury.